0: Once a journalist with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, an an advertising agency founder and author, William Dove Anderson has managed to craft a best-selling novel that encapsulates the points of view of all races. He's His thought, provoking and candid discussion of a racial divide in an extraordinarily balanced tone allows for others to launch into meaningful dialogue civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter, slavery, critical race theory, affirmative action. Just mentioning any of those things could spark a debate, a fight, or even a riot in today's sensitive, divided society or nation still struggles with how to view or discuss matters of race. Does anyone really listen to a viewpoint other than their own? A new book explores through a creative, novel, The Price of Perfect, a way to launch our country into a peaceful and honest dialogue on race and racism. Senor Anderson, how are you doing today? And welcome to Public Right.
1: So good to be here with you.
0: Well, look, first of all, I'm going to ask you the question I always ask whenever I interview somebody who's written a, any book. Why did you write this book?
1: I wrote this book uh, because I'm concerned about our country. As so many people are, as you just indicated, the difficulty that we're having in coming to terms with this age old, centuries old issue of race. Um, And as a writer, I I try to delve into something a little bit further than just the surface part. But, King, I want to explore this whole issue. Why can't we come together more than we do? And we're coming together a little bit better than I think we have. But what is this whole issue of race? Why is it such a difficult thing to do? And it started, to me, in part, with communications. As you indicated earlier, we just don't communicate about this subject. It's one of those hot button subjects. If you, in fact, I was told by an editor who I let read the first draft, she said, "I'm warning you, don't write this book." Don't write about race because people are so upset about it, it could just blow up in your face. And I said, well, if nobody ever writes about it, frankly, how will it ever get truly resolved? So I, And she also said, you're a white guy. You're trying to do a balanced book. How are you going to do a balanced book when half the book is about the, the pains, the, the travails, the terrible things blacks have been through? You don't know that. You could never know it. I said, well, you could say that about any writer if they never live the subject they write about. They can never write about it. But I said, you know, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to research this thing more than I had planned on doing it. So I spent the next couple of years off and on really reading a lot of black literature, talking to a lot of folks I knew didn't know well of both races, and trying to learn as best I could as someone who could never live that life Never been a minority. I don't know what that feels like. Could never know it. But trying to get into, as a writer, get into the shoes of the race and walk it as best I could. So with that, I I started realizing several things. One is, you said, uh, everybody's truth is true. That means that truths are lies and lies are truths, depending on where you sit. So if you're debating someone or trying to change someone's opinion, First thing you gotta do is know where they're coming from. We don't if we don't live in proximity to one another, it's like a friend. You can have a best friend that you don't see for a year and all of a sudden you forgot all about them. 'em. You've got to we have to be physically closer to people to hear their story. We have to be compassionate listeners. We've become critics and not critical thinkers. We'd rather just take the the easy way out is to to categorize, in case I live in Atlanta and turn on the evening news, it's generally a string of young black men who've committed crimes. If that's the only way white people know a black race, then they start to categorize, well, all young black guys are that way. The same is true for bad policemen beating up and killing uh, young black men. You think, oh, well, all the police are that way. Let's defund all of them. It is a human characteristic and, unfortunately, weakness to categorize. It just makes it easier. Oh, I don't have to think about that. It's already in a category. The first thing we got to do is realize we're thinking very narrow. We're not really exploring this issue. What's it like? To, what's where's the other race coming from? And to me, to do that, you need to talk. You need to meet people. Ask them the questions. The challenge. Today is to be frank. I tried to write a book where the main characters are strident in both their beliefs. How do these two knuckleheads come together when they can't agree on anything? That's the price we pay for being perfect. Which is where the title came from.
0: Let me tell you something. Okay, first of all, um, I don't, I don't buy into the premise that um, we cannot be very empathetic irrespective of her life values and struggles, because everybody at some time have gone through some negative. Yes, people, I I, I can't. If I buy into that, I cannot see through the eyes of my wife. If I buy into that, I cannot see uh, through the eyes of my daughter that women have been at a disadvantage. So uh, throughout this country, I can see that I can feel it. I can understand the pain that they feel when they go into a boardroom and just knowing that they are female, that that puts a a, a, a scar, some sort of a stigma on them. I can understand that. So the the first thing I want to say is I generally don't buy the premise that you can't be empathetic. I don't buy the premise that you can't be a white guy who understand black, uh, black pain. I can say that one can become uh, what's the word that I want to use? One can become willfully ignorant to black pain. And that's why I admire you for having written the book and taking the pains. I mean, some there are some black folks that are going to come to you and say, well, how the hell do you think you can speak about that? And I would say, well, because, um, first of all, I understand pain. And also, I have entertained speaking to everybody. So uh, kudos for you on, on writing the book. Um, I want to say one other thing before I ask you the next question, though. Um, Earlier, you you talk about being Southern, right? And I find, first of all, I like the South. I I live in the South. I live in Texas, all right? I find that it's a fallacy to believe that this great heathenous South and racism are somewhat much different than what we find in the North. After all, in Boston, when we had the riots in Boston, it was, uh, you know. How different was that? I don't remember seeing that in the South, to tell the truth, okay? So it's all over the country. It's something that's systemic that we have to take care of, and I'm glad that you um, uh, that, that you decided to write a book of this type. And I also think white guys hold an important key in solving the race problem, given that it is a white guy's problem. So your thoughts on that?
1: I think that because uh, there's a the sensitivity that I feel like Southerners have that others may not, about the black situation because it's been so much a part of our history and so much a negative part of our history. But you've got to see, I, I, I felt empathetic toward the black cause, but until I really got into this and read books uh, like Between the World and Me, uh, read the book on trying to get re- reconciliation on Be the Bridge, so you read some of these books and really kind of reach out a little bit? As a writer, I had to do that because I was truly trying to represent a race that I'm not. Let me say the first thing, the first part of the first problem we're having with communications is to use the word race. We're all the same gun race. Thank this whole thing is a construct that was created to show hierarchy. Oh, they're just that race. So that means they're all that way. But they're this they're this race. Blacks are not another race. Whites are not another race. We're all the same race. But unless you truly and and what and the thing I was not prepared for is the brutality of the three or four hundred years of slavery. You really get into what was done to a lot of black people. It was horrendous. It was terrible. Four thousand hanged over the period of time. My wife tried to get me to go to Montgomery where they said, you're studying this. Let's go to that museum where they're honoring all those that that were hanged. I said, I can't do it. I've become so sensitive to this issue. I can't go stand there and look at 4,000 people hanged, probably almost all of them illegally. But to be empathetic, we're all empathetic to a degree. But unless you really try to study the pain that somebody's gone through, you're just kind of skimming around on it. So I urge people to do their own research. See, just white people, but also for the other side of the coin is uh, we've got a one-way communication now. White people are afraid to really, frankly discuss the black issue because they'll be called a racist or insensitive or offensive. So there's got to be a, if we're going, we got to open both lines of communications uh, so that. Whites can speak with some degree of frankness. And blacks can say, well, that's, that's something he'd say. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but I'll accept it because he's trying to understand me a little bit better. So we've got to be some give and take here back and forth of both of them. Yeah, we the whites instigated this whole mess 400 years ago. But it, another theme of the book is just how much of the past do we keep reliving? some point, you've got to honor the past, memorialize the past, but at some point, you just keep leaning on it, or you become a victim of the past. And I've had black friends say, don't call me a victim. I resent you saying that. I said, well, you got to be careful because the problem with it is you're never accountable if you're a victim. It's always somebody else's fault. But again, those kind of frank back and forth, understanding that he may say something I'm not going to like, but I'm not going to jump him because they know he's trying to understand my side of it. And whites will say, well, blacks have never had it better than you got it right now. All the corporations want to hire you. All the schools want you in their schools. Uh, you, you may, you're making a lot of progress. So I don't understand. I've heard of so many white people say this. Where are all the black people committing crimes? Every time I turn on the news, there are black people. The media is a major component in this whole issue as is we try to Light up eyeballs and butts in the chair to uh view our stations, and it's a money thing it's we're we're all kind of becoming victimized by businesses trying to make money by playing to the opinion that they know people are going to watch that opinion and all they're doing is submitting the categorization they've already got people in
0: you know so um, simple- let me tell you something um uh William, because this, this, I think, I think you hit an important number when you talk about the media and how the media has actually corrupted the views of many people, specifically white people on uh, who black folks really are. And um, I think it's important for somebody like you to go out there and say that after all, you are a a, a former journalist as well. And, um, you know, I had a friend who once got in trouble, never been in trouble in his life. He got in trouble. And when he went to, he got a, he got a deal where he had, he got some sort of probation for something that he did. And when he went into the, uh, to the, to the room where all the people on probations were going to set up for that day, he was one of the few black folks in there. It was filled with white people all on probation. And these are the folks that you see doing the same thing that get coverage for black folks on TV, but white folks never see that. What I tell people all of the times is, and by the way, I, I I love your point of view because that is what I preach on politics done right. And that is let's let's put uh, let's learn that we're all manipulated by a, a system that was created for manipulation in such a manner that we create dissension among people. And that's how, as you mentioned earlier, you're able to maintain an unfair hierarchical system that is not based on a meritocracy, but mostly based on. Yeah, it's
1: not based on biology that we've all got the exactly same DNA. exactly where we were born the geography the sunshine you got or didn't get it's just basic evolutionary stuff that made us look differently because we were conforming to that environment right get it?
0: so it is it is it is it is a very important thought now again, your book is not a real story. It's a story, however, that could be real. Tell us a little bit about it without telling too much, so that folks will go out there and get that book.
1: It's about an Atlanta developer, of which we've got many, who's going to build the building of his dreams in Atlanta. Uh, the whole city is excited about it. He's a big contributor to black causes and charities, so he's beloved by the black community. A black female television reporter feels like that racism is systemic, and she's looking for a way she can publicize it more. She finds out a black man was hanged on this property. The building's going to be built on. Demands the builder redesign the building to preserve the tree. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have a hanging tree in front of my building. She says, well, if you don't, you're a racist. Uh, the book then evolves around all the characters. The, the, the tree becomes a metaphor for America and how we are agreeing or disagreeing on this one subject. And and it forces the reader to take sides. There's about 20 characters. Every character has to react to that tree and what's going on in different ways. It shows how we vary in our varying degrees, whether we, uh, how hostile we are to change or not. In fact, I think You could say that we're all under two categories, the samers and the changers. So they kind of pick sides in this book, and hopefully it's a balanced story of where we are today and the consequences of what happens when nobody will move. Everybody's truth is the truth. And I don't care about what yours is.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it is important that we actually, uh, I mean, th- th- that we actually get to the real truth. And I think when we get there, we're going to realize that we were just being puppeteered by a few and that a lot yeah. of the dissension that we have uh, among ourselves was by the design from the inception of this country. However, what I'd like to ask you, because I understand that you do a whole lot of this kind of work in Atlanta. Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I um... Blessed to be on the Atlanta Homeless Children's Shelter Board, where we uh, helped create the first curriculum for homeless children, I think, in the country. I uh, also co founded a scholarship called the Good Samaritan Scholarship for Black, basically inner city uh, seniors who had risen out of poverty. We're trying to show that you can rise out of the worst circumstances you can imagine. No daddy, no parents, no money, no nothing. And yet they rise to be splendid performers. Uh, so I've tried to be an encourager. I've been on a number of boards, all directed toward basically the inner city community. Been uh, PTA president of basically a minority high school. Um, but I'm basically a writer and I've uh, been creative director for four ed agencies that started. So I've been in the communications business and have a little bit of understanding of how it works. And now it's failing miserably today. <laughs> but your kind of show is the, is one of the answers for coming out of this situation. It really is a blessing to have someone who's really on to this and has and got a good feel for the issues involved in this thing and the complexity of it. It's incredibly complex issues on the one hand. On the other hand, it's simple as dirt. Just love and respect people. Take them for who they are and don't put them in some category and just kiss them off. Well, that's who they are. I saw them on the evening news, or I saw that white guy passing another law that says they're gonna run a highway through my community. So all those guys are bad. We generalizing too blasted much. I had a black friend tell me on the front end that you gotta know we're all not alike. White people think, oh, black people think we're alike because we like to vote Democrat right now, but we're as different as you are, so don't be generalizing about everything. So if it becomes a big communications issue that can be resolved, if people would just open their mind, take the time, read some books, learn about each other, talk to each other, but also get some leadership that will address these issues in a more forthcoming way. Don't just do it to try to get more money for this group and more money for that
0: group. Well, let me me tell you something. It's been my pleasure, uh, William, to speak to you. It is great to see uh, somebody like yourself uh, out of the journalism field, uh, out of the philanthropic field, and actually not trying to be some white savior, but somebody who brings understanding on the issues and is also very, very frank in wanting to approach it in a manner in which you're doing, including with the book that you've written. Uh, So I want to ask you what I ask everybody that's on my program as the last question. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't?
1: I'd like for you to ask me uh, what I'm going to do next with this. Uh,
0: So what what are you going to do next?
1: It's one thing to talk the talk got to walk the walk I want to reach out more in fact I'm trying it right now to uh, reach out to four people that live in this area black people and gain an, an understanding of how how we can join up better how can we come together better and a lot of it's going to be through churches uh, I'm a big advocate of that's one remaining common denominator both so-called races do have so I want to I want to not just preach, but I want to go out and do what I've been talking about in this book that needs to be done and not be perfect. We're all very imperfect.
0: William Anderson, author of The Price of Perfect. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank
1: you, so much. Enjoy being here.